Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the podcast where we talk about relationships, culture, and society from a male and female perspective. Today, this is going to be an interesting one, and I have a strong suspicion there'll be a lot of comments on this one. We're discussing two topics that are related, things women don't understand about men and also things men don't understand about women. So we're going to go one for one, and we're going to start with some more casual conversational ones and maybe do some of the more serious ones later on in the podcast if we're feeling for if we're feeling it uh so this was my idea and and eliza actually did a story on her instagram a week or so ago about this and she got some good answers i'm going to go off some answers that i got on that page i often talk about the tin men there's a he's done a post about this as well but before we get into it what are your uh initial thoughts about this topic in general um yeah well it's interesting i was saying to neil before this that usually when i put like a question box up on my instagram for people to reply to it's usually much more dominated by male responses however this was the one time that there was way more female responding women responding than men um, with a lot of things about what men don't understand about women. And then even when I Googled it, if you Google like what don't men understand about women, there's hundreds of thousands of websites and pages about it and articles. And then when you Google what don't women understand about men, I couldn't find anything, like barely Nothing. anything. Yeah, I found like a like a, Reddit? a Reddit page maybe okay. or like not Reddit. What's that other one? It's like, is it Quora? 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 I don't yeah. know. Yeah. You, you know what I mean. Um, and I really didn't find much on there. So that to me was interesting how it's like, well, obviously there's a lot of things we both don't know about one or the other, but definitely seem to be dominated more towards women saying men appear to be have much less understanding on women than women have or feel that they have about men. Mm. So whether or not they do or don't is a different story, but they seem to feel at least, or we seem to feel that we have more of an understanding than they do. Why do you think that, why do you think that is if say there is that perception that men don't really understand much about women, but women tend to understand more about men do you think do you think that's that generally holds true and if so where did that come from or if it if it is just a feeling and a perception where do you think that feeling and perception came from I think it's come from a deeper sense of emotional intelligence or that women feel that they have or maybe even perhaps do have more developed where higher levels of empathy not all the time but at times where we're more likely to pick up on or be aware of things that are going across for both relationships. I actually saw, this is like really unrelated, but a kind of a good example and a therapy, two therapists, um, relationship therapists and a psychologist were talking about this. I saw a TikTok on it and she was saying, um, and a client was also talking about it. And the client was saying, my therapist was telling me that the only successful relationships at work of a heterosexual relationship is when they, the woman and the man love each other equally or the man loves the woman equally. And a relationship in which the woman loves the man more will never work. And the reason is because even if the woman is not as in love with the man, 
they still contribute more or equal um, effort into change, um, communication, um, affection, and healthy relationships habits. But if a man is not as into a woman, he will not contribute those things or not change and develop over a relationship. Uh, Whether or not I agree with that completely, I guess from like a um, research perspective, I don't have a strong opinion on. I, when I heard it as just a female, um, I was like, this kind of rings true to me, but I wouldn't say this is fact or this is a thing. Um, I just think that a lot of women would probably agree with that sentiment. Let me just, so then this, sorry, the situation where it wouldn't work is if the, when the woman loves the man more than he loves her. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I can see where that comes from i i actually was watching another therapist on youtube and he wasn't talking about the exact same thing but he said something a bit different he said usually there's an adorer and an adored in a relationship and Mm. so there's someone occasionally it's it's perfectly 50 50 but there often is Mm. a lopsided relationship as to who's more um infatuated by the other person and that can actually shift and change throughout the course of a long-term relationship and he was saying generally if the woman is the adorer and the man is the adored the relationship lasts longer whereas if the man is the adorer and the woman is the adored she can often sometimes even lose attraction so it can get to that situation where he's needy and he's you know becomes uh. can, can come across as controlling or it, it just uh can can just be lopsided in a way that isn't conducive to her feeling the most amount of love and connection to this person in fact instead she can sometimes feel suffocated so that's what he was saying which um you yeah, know, he's, that's uh, interesting. Got a and perspective there. It's funny how that's come from a man, and the opposite opinion came from a woman, which I guess is great go. for this. Yeah. Because when I hear that, that does not resonate with me at all. And when I heard the women psychs talking about this, um, and not that I necessarily agree with it, it did resonate with me only because whether it be on a conscious or subconscious level, I've always sought to date men that I know are at least initially like really 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 into me like whipped level that's always been something I've sought uh, not I wouldn't say necessarily consciously but something I'm more attracted to when I'm like and you, you know um the show the summer I turned pretty and it's everyone no. that's like 16 is like obsessed with it it's like it's on Amazon Prime and it, it basically in a nutshell it's about a I don't know 17 year old girl and she goes to um, this holiday house every weekend with her family friends and there's two brothers the same age as her and the first season is she's ta- basically she's torn between the two brothers and this is like one of the most popular shows at the moment and the millennials are watching as well and the reasons millennials are loving it even though it's based on teenagers is because it feels like one of those early 2000s dramas that we used to love like the OC etc and what I find really interesting is there's two guys and that she's torn between and one of them is like this tall, they're both equally handsome. Um, one of them's like this tall, like mysterious, quiet, stoic, um, 
guy and then the other one the other brother is a super like outgoing laughter affectionate will do anything for them and I see people talking about this on TikTok all the time because all the younger girls all the teenagers are like I'm team Conrad and he's the one that's like all stoic and in the first season the main character spoiler alert ends up picking this brother but then he goes through grief etc something happens and he ends up shutting her out he forgets the corsage to her formal he's really quiet he's all withdrawn he doesn't seek her for affection or whatever and yet everyone is like thinks this guy is so sexy and all the older women all the millennials or women in their 25 above are all team Jeremiah, the other brother, being like, this is a man that you need to pick because he shows up. When he was going through the same grief, he was cuddling her, hugging her, needing her, wanting her. He was always there thinking about her, being more proactive. So I find it so funny how, and then people on TikTok like analyze this saying like, this is the growth of women in relationships that when you're young, you want that guy that seems like he's the challenge and he's not that in, like, is he into you or is he not? And is he going to be there? And then when you're older you want someone that is just going to dote on you love you be there for you communicate with you and not stonewall you or be distant so it's it's almost similar in that aspect um so i do find that funny can you hear my neighbors doing his con- like no his i can hear a little outside? bit but yeah i'm oh, sorry can, <laughs> if you guys can hear that yeah, apologies if anyone loud. can hear that on the recording but we don't have a uh, multi-million dollar studio unfortunately if you want to give us one yeah. We will accept. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Depends what we have to do to get it. But no, I haven't heard about that show, but that is very interesting because I think from a man's perspective, they would say that rings true. When we're, when we're in our late teens and, and early 20s, there seems like there's more pressure to, to be exciting and fun and engaging and, and charming and all these things that – are often counter to um, the things that we've been sort of told are what women want through pop culture, like stability mm. and consistency and um, consistent affection. So it 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 rings true from a from a male perspective, um, and it can cause some frustration, a lot of frustration among younger guys in particular. So yeah, I think that's a a pretty apt and uh demonstrably true observation that seems to have been depicted in this TV show. Yeah, you should watch it. I mean it's pretty cringe. <laughs> Adrian I was watching it and Adrian was looking at it. He was like, what the fuck are you watching? This is for twelve year olds. Um but we'll eh, see. Yeah. <laughs> why not? <laughs> Maybe. Um anyway. I've got one to start us off. Let's kick it off. Go and it. when you messaged me about this, wanting to do this topic, this was the first thought that came into my head and it was also one of the first responses I've got. So what don't men, what, yeah, what do men not understand about women? That sending unsolicited dick pics is not wanted. I think that's a really good one. And I actually came across a study or he came across a person talking about a study or analyzing a study. And he was saying that um, there is a study that shows that men that send frequent unsolicited dick pics, that when they are rejected or told that I don't want this or it's gross, they never actually learn to not do it. 
they just continue to do it. And then when it is received well, if ever, they're like, ah, oh, it was all worth it. So even if you tell a man that's disgusting, don't do that, um, statistically and by research, he's less likely to stop. He's just more likely to continue sending <laughs> tick pics to women or anyone. So that was interesting. I feel like most men would understand that. I like to think most men would too. Uh, I think the in my years, the only time I've sent one has been when it's been uh, asked for. Well, that's good. And even then, I, I wish I kind of didn't because it's somewhere out there on the cloud. <laughs> Although my face isn't in it. So, you know, yeah, it's good. not me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I wonder if it's a voyeurism thing or if it's some sort of like, you know, you think about the the people on Omegle that, you you, you know, there's kids mm-hmm. on that site and they're just, it's just known that you'll get a dick every couple of screens. Yeah. And oh, I can't imagine those guys are thinking, yeah, this is going to, someone's going to see that and want to marry me. Uh, it must be some kind of fetish, like a masochistic kind of, you know, yeah. haha, they're grossed out by it. And I, and that makes me, that's funny to me or something. So, I wonder yeah, if that's I feel where like it it's from. a combo of that. And definitely that for people that are on Omegle or like when I put some, try to sell things on Gumtree once and I got, there was literally nothing. I wasn't even in any photos and I got like 15 dick pics <laughs> in response when I was trying to sell a jumper. And another time I did put a photo of myself and I had like, I think I talked about this, like so many people trying to make me their sugar baby. This was when I was like 19. Um, but I think that that is one half. And I think the other half is that men or especially younger guys, but men can get so overwhelmed by their horniness that they're like, hmm. This is going to land. <laughs> this is going to arouse this Probably. person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, that's a, that's a good stepping stone into, well, there's two that I could relate to the what you've talked about. So the first one probably is I think, and I think a lot of men would agree, with, that women don't understand just how involuntary and overwhelming male horniness is. And yeah. she... Don't get me wrong, they've seen the effects of it, but just when you hear these uh, narratives about how society is telling men to objectify women and society is telling them to act this way, when you've experienced that horniness, when you felt it and when you know that it's innate, and none of this, of course, is an excuse for what you do with that horniness, but... It's it's just overwhelming and yeah. sometimes you actually feel uncomfortable about it and you can't focus and you can't concentrate and I think it's also uh, something that men should harness and can be a gift and can be a huge source of energy. Yeah, just a few puns that I could make there but I won't. Um, but I think, yeah, that that's just something that I can't imagine women understand just how aggressive and overwhelming and consistent and persistent that horniness is. I've seen a few little anecdotes here where like a woman would take accidentally took some testosterone cream or something and then she wanted to just fuck everyone in the workplace and and she's like, oh, that's how men feel. And you you hear that and you're like, oh, good. (laughs) I've heard that on both sides because I've also seen and listened to many podcasts of trans men, so people that Mm – aren't aware that's people that were born women and hormonally became 
men and identify as men and they say even with testosterone like I pass as a man I'm um jacked I've got facial hair but I was just born a woman or with I was born with female anatomy basically and they say even with all this testosterone I still don't want to do those things to women but then they also say like then I guess it's um you have to take into context that they at some point had lived that experience as women being on the receiving end of it. So maybe that impacts it. But with that, the level of horniness I see on Reddit all the time that girls um, that live at home, like with their families still posting and it's so disgusting, but they're posting saying like, I've found my bra or my underwear in my little brother who's 16 to 18 in his bedroom with stains on it and I see it constantly and all the women are commenting being like yo this is so disgusting your brother's incestuous he wants to fuck you and blah blah and of course it's wrong and of course it's literally disgusting I'd feel so sick in that position but I think it's more that he's just this is a teenage boy that is so fucking horny that he's like oh my god there's a bra and it's not that it belongs to his sister or whatever it's just a bra. It's still wrong. It's still gross. It's filthy. But I, I feel like it, the intention isn't necessarily always because that's my sister's. It's just the fact that that's my bra. And the same way that I've seen women, uh, I've seen girls make posts in the confession subreddit saying that they've used their mother's sex toys because they were so horny and don't have any of their own. Yeah, <laughs> but don't the- worry, I washed and sanitized it afterwards. No, nah, the bra thing, I don't know. Even if you're super horny, that that's I don't like that. That's <laughs> I don't like it either. I don't think you should be doing I don't think that's excusable if you're doing it over your sister's lingerie. And it's never so excusable. Much, there's so much porn yeah. that, you know, if, if those are your two options, just choose the porn. Or just buy it. This is one thing I would say as a parent, like if you just if you need those things, just tell me and I'll buy it for you and I will never, ever bring it up or talk about it ever again. Hide it out of my eyesight, <laughs> but you can have it. Mm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's probably a good, a good strategy. And <laughs> I think, I, I guess my next point will come to another whole uh, yeah. thing. So maybe you, you do one and then I'll, I'll come back to that one. Okay. All right. Sorry. Um, convoluted there. Okay. So should I should I do the women one or just do anyone that comes up? Um, we'll probably go one male, one female. So do a do a woman one now. Okay. One that was coming up is that men will never understand or don't understand the extreme pain that can come along with period pain and that it's constantly undervalued or undermined and thinking that we're being dramatic and that it can be crippling at times. Yeah. I mean, obviously I agree with. (laughs) What are your thoughts on that? Being like a hundred percent honest, have you ever thought like, especially younger, like, okay, it can't be that bad. I'll probably ha- maybe like I can't remember like directly if I've had that exact thought, but I'm sure because you you do hear about it a, a fair bit, so there might have been situations where I rolled my eyes and thought, oh yeah, yeah sure or something. But yeah, um, it's just one of those situations where you can't, you know, you, there's nothing 
that is necessarily comparable to it. So you just have to take someone's word for it, don't you? Um, mm. It's not like you can say, yeah, well, no, it's like this. Like no one can really say it's like that because mm. it's a pretty unique thing that only women experience. So, well, well, yeah. pe- people with a uterus. I don't know. Look, for yeah. this podcast, we'll just say men and women. <laughs> and, um, yeah, uh, seems... I guess it's 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 sort of a situation where you have to kind of then because the woman doesn't know what sort of physical pain the man might have endured in his life either. So he might be he might have gotten bullied every day and gotten punched in the head all the time and and then he's saying, "Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's not that bad" because he's relating it to his physical pain. So uh it's 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 a situation where, and I'm not trying to cause, you know, shroud that observation with doubt or anything, but because no one really knows what sort of pain everyone has gone through, they haven't felt the pain. I've never felt the pain you've gone through uh, menstruating or through childbirth, so I can never really fully comprehend it or uh, relate to it in that sense. Yeah. I remember when um, I was getting remedial massages and I told Adrian, like, you, you should get one. He'd never had, like, he'd had relaxation massages but never remedial and I was like, I've got this woman she's really strong, she's really good, it hurts. And then he came home after he had his massage and he was, like, fucking fainting. <laughs> like, he was so dramatic. He was like, I'm going to vomit, I'm going to be sick. Like, that was, I've never been in so much pain. That was horrendous he's like I can't this is worse than childbirth a thousand percent I was so mad that he said that I told my doctor and they were all pissing themselves laughing but I just thought yeah that's funny but have you seen those videos where they um strap the the, it's like this little uh contraption that mimics period pain and it contracts muscles and you stick it to your stomach and they get they go to like shopping centers in the public and they strap it to the man and to the woman, uh, the same contraption, and they put it on the level. And so she'll say, okay, tell, we're going to go up one level at a time. Tell us what level it is for your like period cramps. And then in all the videos, the women, uh, they've got some like level seven, seven or eight or whatever, or 10. And they're standing there having a chit chat conversation with the, um, the person doing it. And meanwhile, the men are on their hands and knees, doubled over, heaving, (laughs) literally heaving, gagging, saying they can't cope with the pain. And then all the people in the comments are like, imagine trying to feeling this pain and trying to be in a meeting or trying to work or trying to hold a conversation. And that being said, not all periods are painful. For some women, they don't get any period of pain. Um, But for others, it is literally crippling. So I thought that was a valid one. Fair enough. Your what, turn. Well, what in your list? Do you have any others that um, uh, a man that men feel like women don't understand about them? That men don't. Oh, yeah. Um, I had women don't understand about. Oh no, women don't accept male posi- male body positivity the way that we encourage women body positivity yeah i mean that's one where it it does seem like all right it, it, it there's this huge emphasis on female body positivity and yeah. that you know you're beautiful at every size and everyone's always stunning and and beautiful whereas 
for men, you know, the first thing you hear when a girl is describing her ideal man will be like tall and handsome. Yeah. And we all have our physical desires deep down. And, you know, as everyone would know, men have those and women have those as well. But the culture around um, body positivity for women is very different to that of men. At the yeah. same time, I don't know if the majority of men actually want that. So I don't necessarily want to be told, I want to be told the truth. So if a woman doesn't like my look or thinks I'm too short, I'd rather she just say it than sort of lie to me. Oh, you're so handsome. No, I do find you very attractive. Like I'd rather just the the truth. And I would guess most men are in that boat, but I think it might be more the the consistency. So on one side of the equation, it's, um, it's, it's sometimes even seen as, unethical or immoral to to describe uh, a woman's appearance, particularly if it's a negative description, but then it's perfectly fine to, especially if a man says something that might be, you know, someone takes umbrage towards then immediately, oh, he's a little man or he's, um, you know, he's overcompensating or then yeah. suddenly his appearance comes into it. So I think yeah. that's that's... And I also think a lot of it is even just outside of like attraction, but just um, the world, like society's acceptance and advertising. And I had an experience the other day with this where there's a, my local shops has like a bond store and they always have like women, they're trying to be very body inclusive. So they always have women in wheelchairs, plus size women as the models, seeing them in their bra and underwear all the time. And then they always had like fit guys and that was it um, in the underwear. And recently, like a week ago, they changed it and put, um, took down all the women and put a plus size man. And he's beautiful and extremely attractive, but I remember seeing it and I f- literally felt like I was looking at someone naked. <laughs> I was like, I can't look too long. Like <laughs> this was naughty. Like I was so not used to seeing plus size men, not re- attraction or whatever. It's completely irrelevant here, but I just literally wasn't used to it. I was like, oh my God, I was taken aback by it. And yet I'd been seeing women's asses and um, their bodies up there for months and months and never even registered it. So I did find that interesting, like great that there's (laughs) been some movement (laughs) in that and he looked great, whatever, happy days, that's irrelevant. But I was thinking like why did that take me by surprise to see that whereas two weeks ago there was all these men wearing underwear that were fit and I didn't even register in my brain. I didn't even look at it. (laughs) Well, sometimes, you you know, some of those body issues um, are, are quite can be very relevant to men. If you look at the the um, physiques of male action heroes, even from just yeah. the 70s and 80s, I mean the 70s, half of them would be considered fat today. They they were sort of chunky. They were strong and bigger, but they were mm. they didn't have a six pack. They weren't ripped. And now, I mean, you you just they've got zero body fat. They're all on steroids, uh, but yeah. it's um, changed a lot. And then with the, I guess the last point I make on that underwear thing is I, I, I'd be interested in seeing the comments on something like this because I, <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm deeply in the closet, but like I like seeing fit guys in marketing. Yeah, I don't really want right. to, you know. I think it's something that ah, oh, that man, that guy's got a good rig. Um, that's right. something to aspire towards. Um, mm. but. Sometimes I've seen some of those bonds, you know, body inclusivity ads for men and I just cringe. I think, yeah, all right. 
So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that, that could be me. Maybe I'm exhibiting, what is it, internalized misandry or <laughs> something yeah, like that. It's also good to be like a really deeply like biological, we're obviously not even attracted to, but we like to look at things that we find appealing. And if you find a physique more appealing than another type, that's fine. And I might find literally the opposite more appealing and one might be more common. Um, and even it's it stems from babies. Like babies look and smile at attractive people more than they do. And I've noticed Remy do it. And that's so you know, harsh like, when you think yeah. about that. That's- yeah, it's crazy. And it's like he, I've obviously, I read books to Remy about body inclusivity. I read books about different what different people look in different ways, all these things. So there's nothing in his like upbringing or whatever that makes him think, okay, this is an attractive person versus this. But yeah, he smiles at attractive people mm. and way more than he does others. It's a, it's a thing. It's a phenomenon. So yeah. it's, it's really interesting how it's like even on a level of being months old not even a year old that you can recognize intrinsically this is what i find appealing to look at compared to something else yeah and that's fair enough and yeah there are a lot of men who are very it, it can be just as into well they can definitely be very insecure about their their looks and yeah. certain body a- aspects i know i've i've definitely had insecurities before and they're overwhelming and you don't necessarily have the same kind of space to talk about it um, in the way women do. And a lot of that is because other guys will say, all right, you just need to deal with it and push through, which I think can actually be a helpful message at times because sometimes it is a situation where, look, this is harsh and this sucks, but, you know, there's not much we can do. This This is who you are. But, yeah, there is there are a lot of probably more than maybe some women realize. I don't, I don't know, but uh, there, there are a lot of guys dealing with body issues. Yeah, and also just the lack of language around complimenting men's bodies that aren't fit. I saw someone yesterday who was, he was this is about women, but he was posting on Reddit saying like, how bad did I fuck up? I'm obsessed with my girlfriend's body it's the sexiest body I've ever seen I'm in love with it and I was trying to be sexy and compliment her body and I said I love your stomach pudge while he kissed it and then she immediately like (laughs) shut down freaked out and every single person in the comments especially the men were like you fucked up so bad (laughs) like don't say that but as like a woman like I've never been a thin woman ever I've never been skinny but anytime I've been complimented with like by men um, on my body, it's always like, oh, I fucking love your curves. You're so curvy. I love it. Like there's such positive language to compliment women on bodies that have different bodies that aren't necessarily thin, but there isn't that same like language available for men that don't have that physique that you're talking about. Like can you say like I love your like soft body? Like does that hit? Can you say I love your dad bod? I love your pudgy bod? Like what I think- what is – Sexy and appealing to compliment men's bodies. Dad bod. What's the language around that? Sounds a bit nicer than soft bod. I don't know, but that could be. I would think the opposite. I would feel like, oh, yeah, like soft and strong. But to say like, oh, Mm. like to be labeled as having a dad bod, like could that be offensive? I don't know if you're not a dad. Depends. If you work out a lot and then you're told you have a dad bod, it probably is. (laughs) But then some guys are pretty open with the and and comfortable yeah. with the fact that they do have a dad bod and 
Am Does I it like sound it? sexy to say that? I love your dad bod. Like <laughs> um, each to their own. Maybe some I, some some guys might like it. it. Probably depends on how you say it and what you know what what's yeah. occurring uh, whilst saying it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> don't know. You, you're right. The language might not actually exist for people to be more complimentary towards yeah. men's alternative physiques. But let's uh, we've got we've, we've probably got a fair few on this list. So. Yeah, Let's moving on. Hit, hit me with another one that uh, women feel men don't understand about them. Okay, touching. This is a bit similar to the last one, but um, I got to say because this was the most common response from men and women, and it was that men doesn't do not understand female anatomy. And by that, it was where the clitoris is. It was about periods, pregnancy, birth. It was about fallopian tubes, uterus, vulva versus vagina. All these things, basically that compass anatomy um and i agree with that (laughs) yeah but how can a man you know there isn't really a good resource unless he basically has a girlfriend that that, and usually early on that sort of he he sort of figures it out but maybe she teaches him a few things as well because i don't think many mothers talk about that to their sons yet um maybe they do but how does it if a young guy is listening to this and wants to learn more about because it's not like there's classes, you know, hey, every Friday we, we show you where the clit is. That that doesn't <laughs> happen. So There are though. They that happens in school. You get the black and white diagrams. It's in a very non sexy image and it has like this is a labia minora, this is a labia right. majora, this is the clitoris, this is the, it's not about being sexy or like how to have sex, but there is sex education but it's probably one class that you have in year nine and then never think about again so i think that boys and men need to take their own responsibility to educate themselves on it and i i don't post much on tiktok but the one post i had that in my version went viral for me it had four hundred and sixty thousand views was me talking shit about things that adrian had said when I was pregnant and I was so shocked because I always talk about Adrian being like, he is so emotionally intelligent. He's such a feminist. He's this, he's that. And then when I was pregnant, all these things were coming up. Like he asked me, do I have a cervix? And I was like, you you know, you did not just ask me if you have a cervix, like as a man. And then he said, um, another thing he said was I showed him a, uh, a, photo of an umbilical cord, which is the cord that connects the baby to the placenta in your body. And he said, oh, is that the fallopian tube? And I was like, fuck, (laughs) this is not good. Um, So that was shameful. And has he been educated since? Yes, he has. But also that wasn't my responsibility. I said, educate yourself Hmm. and not through porn. (laughs) Like go on some government website or something. Like go on an actual resource to find out what the certain parts of your body are or a woman's body or a person with female anatomy, et cetera. It's so important to know these things, not just because it's like, oh, you need to know where the clit is. That is also important. But understanding anatomy for both genders is an important thing to do um, and understand. And even like sometimes men don't have or boys don't have the basic understanding of what a pad is or what a tampon is or how that uses. Or when you ask a boy, how many holes does a woman have? They never get that answer right. Um, so, or even understanding that women urinate, not from the vagina, but from somewhere else, (laughs) like the basic things that to a woman are obvious, but men don't understand. So it's always good to 
get online, educate your source, uh, find, sorry, a good source and educate yourself. Do you think what um, what does it what does it feel like when a man does know about that sort of stuff? How does that make you feel if he is very well versed in female anatomy? Because I guess I'm just coming from like okay, what does that is point? that e- not not what's the point? But um, you know, if a if a boyfriend or a partner or a male colleague even is a is a supportive and um, well-meaning person and then maybe he, let's say he knows the the basics the bare bones but then he might not know some of those specifics about the different yeah. parts necessarily how, how um where you know what why do you think that that extra level of education is important yeah i don't think they need to know everything like i don't think they need to know where every single thing sits or the difference maybe between the labia minora or the pons, you know, yeah, all mean, these things. The, <laughs> well, just so you know, the 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 labia majora is the outer lips of a woman's vulva and the labia minora is the inner lips. Um, and sometimes the inner lips are bigger and poke out and sometimes they're smaller and are enclosed between the larvae majora. So I wouldn't expect men to know all those things, but obviously it's great. I do have some guy friends that are very well versed in these things and they understand it and they're not like sleazy about it. And I just think it's great. Um, but I, I just think it is an important thing to know because so much of women's, it is more, it's almost like a reflection of like a societal issue that a lot of women's health issues are so often overlooked and minimized and misunderstood in particular. So I do think it's great to have that basic understanding of um, even just language. Like I've been trying to really push and help educate men talking about what a a vulva is, what encompasses the entire um, genital and a vagina is the just the hole that a penis would go into, for example. That is just the vagina, not the whole thing. The vagina is just the hole. And so many people don't understand that. And then we're miseducating our children because of it as well. So they don't understand it. And then God forbid if something happens and they're trying to explain it, then that doesn't hold up in court, etc. Like there's a whole variety of reasons. But I do just think it's good to have that level of understanding as well as like, okay, people say, well, we know women's get cramps in their, in when they have um, their periods, but why? It's because their uterine uterus is the uterine lining is seizing to remove the lining. And that's what comes out of your vagina. And the aspect of it seizing to move the lining is what causes the pain. Um, And then they're like, well, what's a uterus? What's the point of a uterus? What's the point of ovaries? And, Lopian tubes. I think it's just good to understand it, um, especially one day you might have daughters, you might have friends. Um, you don't want to be like, what? what's friends. this fucking, <laughs> you might have female friends <laughs> and they need a tampon or something. Not that you should carry a tampon on you, but you don't want to have something drop out of the bag and be like, what the fuck is that thing? Where do you put that? That's fucked. You put that up there. Um, I think it's just a good thing to know. Fair Not enough. that you need to know everything, but I do think that you should have more of an equal understanding the same way I don't think that women know every single part of men or male anatomy but they would probably know more than 
men might know about women anatomy. And to be fair, There's female less to anatomy know. is more complicated. Yeah. yeah. Unless I just don't know much about it, but I don't think there's too much complexity with the male anatomy. It probably is. Yeah. Actually, I'm sure Dr. Willer tell you there's there's a very interconnected, complex set of um, organs and, and nerves in the male anatomy there. But um, I guess the implications of knowing that anatomy are not as impactful um yeah yet who knows but could change hmm all right okay um do you have any more that you got from your list about things that men feel women don't understand about them yeah there was one more that was a really good one um i thought and it was that someone posted basically he was saying that when women don't understand that we, when we initiate physical intimacy or physical affection, we don't always mean or want for it to turn into sex. Like sometimes we want more strip, like just affection without always leading to sex. We don't always driven by getting laid basically, mm. which I, I do think that that's a really relevant point. And I know like um, a lot of, if you go on like the, dead bedroom subreddit um and by the way i just want to clarify i know i say this all the time but i go on these subreddits for research purposes (laughs) but on that one so many women (laughs) posting all the time saying when my man touches me or touches my back or strokes my hair or even hugs me i push him away because he just wants sex um, and it's just going to, if I engage in any like physical affection, it's just going to lead into sex. And I don't want sex. I'm busy, blah, blah, blah. Um, and men saying things of the same, um, sentiment. So I think that, yeah, that, that was a valid, a really valid experience and maybe something that women don't understand as much and do it yeah. that it just means sex or sex is wanted. Yeah. Um, I think it depends on the woman because in, I can only relate this to my personal experience and there have been partners who have acted that way and and that might be from some, you know, their previous partner only ever initiated contact to to have sex. Uh, But then there are others who will be happy to have a hug and and just cuddle and and do all the non-sexual touching. But just male physical affection in general, there's a lot of... uh, confusing ideas about it because sometimes even you go for a hug and then you're the where's my hug guy and you're creepy and there's a lot of uh confusion i think men feel with uh yeah just just (laughs) physical touch and when to do it and the the vast vast majority don't want to be a creep so then they Mm -hmm. tend to just avoid it especially if we're talking about colleagues or people who aren't you aren't in a romantic um partnership with Sometimes, yeah, you just don't know when the appropriate time is to, whether it's a hand on the shoulder or the whatever it might be. And look, it makes sense that's best to err on the side of caution in those situations. But then, uh, then a lot of women might not know just how starved men are of physical affection and of compliments as well. Um, yeah. A lot of posts I, I see are just men saying, the last time I was hugged was a year ago or yeah. the last time someone told me I was handsome was four years ago and I've yeah. never really forgotten that. So, yeah, that I think is something um, from from an external point of view, you see a lot of positive affirmations and um, 
constant talk about how women are, are beautiful and and that's also be- between their friends and things and and <laughs> men sometimes are a bit harder to give those compliments to their friends uh, but the ultimate ramifications of that the average man probably is um very uh starved of non-sexual physical touch and and non-sexual compliments about their looks as well i'll add that into it as well yeah i definitely agree with that so many of the men i had gone on dates with i'm always comp i like i always compliment people um just because it's i just do that um and when i like something i just say it because why not but so many people either one would comment saying like I'm used to hearing that or that rarely happens or other times thinking this chick's fucking I've met her for 20 minutes she's in love with me she's just complimented my skin like she literally mm. like you're too much <laughs> too upset yeah they almost don't Whereas trust that's it. like the 90th compliment I've given that day to just anyone so yeah it's like it's so unnatural for them or uncommon mm. that it holds a much different meaning to me to give it than to them to receive it yeah, that um, yeah, unfortunately, can can result in a reaction like that, thinking, "Oh, she's weird," yeah. or "This is uh, yeah. I don't know how to react to something like this," or, or "Oh, I'm going to fall in love with her immediately." And yeah, hmm, that's um definitely something. Yeah, a lot a lot more men probably go through. Yeah, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on this one? Because this one was kind of in between women and men, but it was that, um, it was written by a woman and it was the one that was, we don't want solutions when we have problems from men. We just want support. If I want solutions, I'll ask for them. Yeah. Uh, every book I, yeah, every book (laughs) I ever read on this topic really honed in on that point. So that's something it's good to just know as a man, it just doesn't come naturally to us. I guess that's what I would say it's not sometimes it, it the the tone is quite accusatory that oh my boyfriend just gives me these solutions and he's not trying to emotionally connect with me and just I'd say if you can refrain from sort of assuming it's a lack of emotional intelligence or it's a lack of him actually wanting to connect with you it just comes so yeah. naturally to us that oh there's a problem how do we solve it that is something that whether it is cultural or, or it's biological I don't know but we're generally trying to do what we think is best in that situation and um it's not it's not coming from a place of oh i just want to avoid you and i just want you to stop talking or something <laughs> like that which sometimes it seems like it that's how it's yeah. that's how it's received but at the same time of course i think a lot of men should strive to just it it takes it legitimately takes practice and you got to yeah. catch yourself doing it and you're like, oh, wait, I'm, I'm giving her solutions. She just wants. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's some more specific things would be just ask her, you know, how she feels about it and everything and then like kind of connect with the way she's feeling and sort of empathize with her if she's frustrated about a problem she's experiencing at work or with a with a colleague or something like that and, you know, tell me if I'm uh, – if, if this is a, a good way of responding but – if she's feeling frustrated about something, you, you want to try to feel that frustration with her. And then if you are really sort of into someone and, and in a relationship with them, you probably you, you that should almost come naturally. It doesn't always with men, but I know with um 
my girlfriend or other colleagues, if they're going through a tough time, I try to just, sometimes I feel that in the same way yeah. if, uh, if a parent or a sibling was, was going through that sort of uh, arduous uh, situation in their life, I, I would, there'd hopefully be some kind of transference of those emotions. And if there isn't, it's something that a man, it's worthwhile practicing and ultimately integrating into your um, skill, emotional skill set, if you want to say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. And I do think that there are times uh, for solutions and that they can be offered, but I just think that it's more important to emphasize or at least start with saying sometimes all we want to hear is, yeah, that sucks. And it can be really yeah. frustrating like in that scenario where she's saying I've had a really tough time with this colleague or at this work and then someone says, well, have you considered that they might have been going through this? And it's like, fuck, I don't need, <laughs> I don't want to analyze them. I just want you to agree with me. <laughs> but it's funny because like for me personally, I never go to people when I feel um, upset with something unless I want solutions. Like I would much rather deal with things on my own unless I go to someone that I feel like is going to offer me valid solutions, which is kind of the opposite sentiment. So there are times where that's needed. Like when I go to, talk to Adrian for about something like he's very supportive. Like recently I've been really getting like in my head about should I be feeling guilty that I'm not working and contributing financially. And instead of like Adrian kind of coddling me being like, yeah, those are valid and yeah, that's hard. He's just giving me the solution, which is almost telling me what I need to hear it or want to hear. He's like, we don't need you to at work right now. This is the one time in your life that you can be at home, spend it with Remy, like enjoy this time. We'll make it work. There's no problem. And I just love that. Like he takes the lead. He's like, it's solved. <laughs> There's no issue. Okay. And then immediately my anxiety is resolved just with his response. Um, okay. So in that case, it works well. And I know that I said that was the last one. I feel like I've got to bring this one up as well from um, from a man perspective because I thought this one was the most um, – one that I hadn't thought about but I also think is really accurate and that was that the expectation for men to have a like financially abundant career and rather than following a passion career, like an interest, a career that they're interested in that might earn less or working part-time, whereas that's more much more accepted by society for women to do um, but much less so yeah. for Man, and interesting for your perspective because you have a passion career, even though it is successful and I abundant do. at many times, but it's um it is a passion career. Yeah, that does seem to be something men have to think about a lot more because there's a mm. pressure on them to be successful and even though we now live in a time where what is it mo I think more than 50% of um in, in, we're talking about millennial heterosexual couples the women up to a certain age actually out earns the men um but it's definitely still something that is perceived as very attractive if a man has financial abundance and has a good career and stability yeah stability yeah that's and, it and that's what it comes down to i think at the end like even if if he were like not earning so much or not massively rich like a school teacher that's fine but if he were to say i you know, make skateboards for a living, even though that could be earning shit tons of money, immediately someone's like threatened by or feeling uncomfortable being like, well, is it consistent? 
Uh, yeah. Is it going to be okay long term? Um, or you want to be an influencer? Like those kind of things. I feel <laughs> like it's much more questioned. Or even like I was thinking about this the other day, how many women I know, even at my age, um, or I've heard of that just are nannies because you get cash in hand, money's pretty decent. Um, you cash in hand, do you? <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah. Um, And it can, yeah, it can be a decent job, get, choose your hours, et cetera. And you never hear of male nannies very infrequently. Um, And one, of course, for probably more sinister judgments, but also just because there could be the reason that would, would women or society reject men or judge them to be 30 and just being a nanny? Yeah, I think a lot of uh, some, not everyone, but uh, a lot of people would. Uh, look, I understand how in a in a if you're talking about a relationship here, a consistent income is something people prefer and look for. But I think what that guy's trying to say is that it just seems like that burden is is still put more onto the men, where a yeah. lot of women who might be pursuing their uh, passion career and not making a huge amount of money and still living at home and they might be in their late 20s, that's not seen as unattractive or it doesn't that doesn't give any man the ick. Some maybe um, now, but there would be a lot more the other way where if a man was living at home for financial reasons because he was pursuing his passion career, there would be a certain portion of women that might not find that particularly that, – that, I, and I, yeah, it's a tough one because, like, again, I, I do get that you, you know, if you're talking about a relationship here, you can't just look at love, you got to look at financial yeah. concerns as well. Yeah. Um, but I suppose it's the, the, it's the inconsistency there and, yeah. and the lopsided nature of that kind of attraction or lack thereof. Another guy um, posted saying what women don't understand about men is that we don't actually care about your career. And I was like, I don't think women, <laughs> I think women agree think, with that. Yeah, I don't know if women. <laughs> I don't think that's, that's an issue. <laughs> a lot of those podcasts now that they're constantly trying to hit women with that. And, and yeah. it's not, I don't, yeah, I, I wonder, do women think that men are interested, like, do you think there's? Do, like do you feel women, that there's a pressure uh, that women no. feel thinking, "Oh, I've got to earn a hundred k a year, or I've got to be a certain management position, or something like that"? I feel like sometimes it's men are more concerned for the woman's career when they're out earning them, and then they're threatened by it, um, rather than being like, "Oh, she's not doing enough, or she makes a humble earning, even if she's full time, etc." I think that that's more of the concern at times, not always, of course. Um, but, yeah, obviously it's it's fine to seek someone that hasn't also like a shared income or can contribute. But, yeah, I definitely don't think it's a it, – it wouldn't come as, as a surprise for women to hear, oh, men aren't as concerned with the career, your career as you think we are. <laughs> yeah, I guess that come maybe he, that's – I'm just trying to put myself in someone's position who says that there's a lot of emphasis now on that kind of career-driven independent woman archetype and yeah. and how 
incredible it is to live that life. And then I wonder if um, not only men, but I think a lot of people are thinking, well, okay, hang on, there's positives and negatives to that sort of lifestyle. And it might be if you if you I'm just totally like spitballing here, but if you've got a female partner who is relentlessly pursuing career and you're wanting her to not from a place of like, oh, you need to be at home and I need to control you, but from a place of like, I just want to spend more time with you. You're yeah. burnt out all the time. That's a big thing. Um, yeah. So many women in our age group are just constantly burnt out and, and stressed from their career. And um, yeah. it seems counterintuitive to to put yourself through that, not from the perspective of like, hey, men don't care, but from the perspective of like, okay, this relationship would be better if maybe you just went to four days a week or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is one where you, you hear that a lot where guys are sort of saying like, hey, you realize we don't actually care about that. But then the women will also say, yeah, I know. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> some some women do think, I think, because I know in those podcasts that, you know, the ones that are really popular now where – They'll ask the women, uh, what do you bring to the table, for example? And then she'll say, you know, I got this great job and I earn this much money and I'm loyal. And then they're thinking like, oh, well, you know, that's not really something I'm looking for. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that's a, that one's quite a quandary. Um, mm. But I, I think maybe some – if there are women who think, oh, you know, I, if if I – get to that senior management position i'll i'll be able to find a better suitor then yeah a lot of men aren't really i i mean i kind of i like women who are intelligent yeah. but i don't really care about the career whatever career yeah. they're in there's plenty of really smart women who are just working at the canteen or something but yeah um yeah i have mixed thoughts on that one i guess Interesting though, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> definitely, definitely. So I got some here from the page. Let me just sort of maybe just do a quick speed run of some of these. Um, actually, do you have any that was a that was a male one, so do you have a any other female ones that I do, but I'll just touch on it really quickly. A lot of most of the responses or a lot of the responses I got were more of a heavy nature, um, which I think I'm not sure we should unpack it because we've done so many podcasts on this, but yeah. it was things of the nature of um, women don't want men to uh, – men are scared of uh, – men fear women laughing at them and women fear their safety around men or men don't understand what it's like to have to dress a certain way, find certain directions, um, leave the house at certain times for safety, um, organise transport, who's there, et cetera, for safety. Men don't understand what it's like to be experience um, sexual harassment multiple times a week. Most men don't understand it. Like a lot of responses came in of those of that nature and I do want to hold space for it and acknowledge it, but I also sure. feel like we shouldn't go into unpacking it so much because it, but we've got a few minutes left of this podcast. It's not going to do it justice to just touch, like touch and go. Um, yeah. So, yeah. No, that's fair enough. And I mean, in, in a in a similar, not, not just speaking about those heavy topics, but uh, maybe, mm, how can I, how can I say this? 
some of the narratives that come about when we're talking about society at large can have a very debilitating mental effect on men because it sometimes comes across like, oh, we we just live this super easy life where we just walk around any anywhere and you know, never experience hardship and pain. And then if we say that, it's immediately perceived as like, oh, you're trying to be a victim. And nothing that we say in that situation is trying to say, oh, it's just as bad or it's as bad or it's worse or anything like that. But I think a lot of men might resonate with something like that where, you know, like that book you once told me to read, this was two years ago, which was called... um I can't remember for the life of me what it was called, but it was all these anecdotes about boys in college and young men and it was written by a woman and I couldn't, I, I struggled to read it because it felt like, oh, he's a woman just sort of projecting what she thinks men go through onto these mm. stories and mm. it actually didn't resonate with me one bit. Um, mm. So it is a very touchy and heavy subject uh, but... I guess if that if that makes sense in a way that doesn't come across as a, as arguing or a, you know I'm not trying to debate or argue or anything like that with with women's collective lived experience but yeah you know the the it, it's almost like you're in this trap where okay so women will say this is this is what we go through um and we want men to understand that but also you never will understand that and it's sort of this kind of thing where, all right, well, what do you, what, what are the, do you want the emotional valid, the, in the sense that we were talking about before, where a woman might just want to um, get support rather than solutions? Is it a situation like that? Or is it a kind of yeah. situation where, you know, if, if we could understand it better, we'd, we'd get along better. But at the same time, how, how are we supposed to understand it if it's something that's unique to, to women. I think that this um, this is one of those things that needs to be handled. Like, yeah, it is a support type response, but also a solution response. And that, like, well, what can you do as men? Like, can you, for example, there's a lot of like um, advocating to call out male peers that may be abusive towards their female partners, etc. But I think one thing that shouldn't be done, and like, I don't mean this as like an offense, but and I think a lot of people will agree with what you just said, but it also does feel a little bit, um, uh, I don't know, I'm failing to find a word that's ethical <laughs> ethical and soft enough, but it feels a little bit like, okay, woe is you to say that men struggle because um, society judges them where it's like compared to the issue that we're actually facing of assault and harassment continuously that one issue feels a lot larger than the other and to respond with an issue of you know the safety of someone's body and and um the boundaries of someone's body and safety with the well this sucks for us too isn't the isn't the best response i in in saying this i'm saying that the way that you said it is good because it's acknowledging what most people and most men actually feel um, but as advice for how do you respond to these issues that come up without going into it and unpacking like a how does society address the issues of of women and and etc. Um, it's it's just one of those things that if it were to come up in conversation, mm. provide support and don't play devil's advocate. 
podcasting is different, obviously. But if a woman were to come to you with this is my experience, totally, don't do it. <laughs> when is a good situation? Now, obviously, it wouldn't be after she's spoken. Yeah. But if a man is, you know, if he might be, if he's in a rough area or something and doesn't like, feels like he's going to get bashed by the rival gang or I don't know, something yeah. where he feels fear uh what's a good situation or what's a good way for him to bring that up without it feeling like it's a an attack on women's lived experience i think that in the same way that men have a responsibility or people have a responsibility to not play the devil's advocate or speak about men's issue when women are speaking about their issues that women also need to respond to men when they're speaking about their men's issues without immediately reverting it back to, well, we have it harder. Trust me on that. So both issues are valid. Both issues are different. Like it's the same as saying, well, I have a broken nose and me saying, well, sorry, but I broke my arm and that's way more painful in my opinion. (laughs) Um, So both need to be held space and both people, it's the responsibility of that is who is listening to it to respond in a way that is empathetic and not immediately comparing to their own um, experience. So it needs, essentially what I'm saying is it should be two separate conversations. You've gone through this, I'll validate you on this. And you as a woman have gone through this, I'll validate you on this. Mm. Agreed. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I do think that it, I do think there are some elements of, you know, I have two opinions about it because I actually do have mixed feelings that sometimes I feel like, we as women are extremely empathetic towards men and men's problems and that's why men are much more likely to get diagnosed quicker and faster. They're much more likely to receive health um, care faster, um, et cetera. But then at the same time, I feel like men's issues, especially though of a mental or emotional nature, can be so dismissed because it's like, well, that doesn't compare. <laughs> um, so it definitely there is, you know, there's pros and cons and flip sides and devil's advocate to both the both issues, the men's issues and women's issues. Um, and I guess it's about holding that space and empathy for both sides and not yeah, let it, let him have his time or not let, let him have his time but validate that experience because it's very different to a woman's experience. It's a completely different issue. Like, yeah, there's an overarching theme of safety or whatever. But, yeah, mm. it's so hard, isn't it, to navigate. Um, it's very difficult. It yeah. is um it's one of the major issues of our time, how to yeah, how to really just have is. that conversation in a way where people don't feel threatened. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what you see those, like, controversial podcasts. That's literally the nature of it that are going viral at the moment on the internet is, like, men are saying, well, women get to choose when they have sex. They get to choose who they have sex with. They have it easier. And then women are like, are you fucking kidding me? This happened to me last week. This happened to me. Blah, 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 blah. We don't have healthcare rights. We we can't even get an abortion anymore. Like we, we don't get to decide about our own bodies. This is American, obviously. Um, yeah, well, it's a matter and, of time before it comes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, fuck. <laughs> um, so it is um, – yeah, it's it's like it is a very relevant issue of our time and it's like let's not tit for tat. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. I guess, I, I mean, I don't know if you want to move on, we can, but in a lot of the 
observations and and conversations that I hear, there are these sort of general claims made that are linked with and this and men do this and women, but I think everyone does this. But sort of general claims about an entire group of people that are made linked with someone's personal experience. So then it becomes really hard to detach. You know, if you're if someone's making a general claim about let's let's put it onto race, for example, like okay, uh, these these group of people, I've experienced this racism, therefore, you know, why why people never have to go through this, and this is like the political conclusions I made, and then you might want to say, actually, I, I, I don't think those political conclusions are the right um, way to see this. But I also completely and utterly empathize with the racism that you experienced. And that yeah. seems to be a very hard yeah. conversation to have because yeah. then they think, oh, well, you're, okay, so if you don't agree with my, the conclusions that I've drawn, you just think racism is fine. And then yeah. you get into this horrible back and forth where, you know, that's, we've all been in that situation and it's not nice. I literally experienced that this morning, but it wasn't a back and forth, it was just me, where I came across a video of a black man sitting at a beach in Italy saying, and he looked really sad and he was like, I literally, I just wanted to sit here and swim at a beach in Italy and enjoy my time, but I've been called, without being called the N-word by locals. And my immediate thought was, I just drew a conclusion, oh, Italians are racist. (laughs) That's just like I don't actually know. I, I didn't look it up or anything. I don't know if they, if they are, or if that was just one person or anything. But that was my first thought. Was I fin- finished that video and I was like, "Whoa, Italians are racist." I had no idea. I didn't. I still don't actually know. But it that's just I guess an example of like one person's experience, and then you or they can draw a conclusion based on entire community or race or group. Um, based on it. But obviously I, I'm holding a lot of empathy for that person that experienced that. And I don't want to play like devil's advocate being like, well, maybe that person doesn't know what the word means. They're Italian. You know, they might not be English speaking, whatever. And I also don't want to draw the conclusion that all Italians are racist. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the line in between of empathy and validation, um, but not necessarily drawing a conclusion that summarizes an entire group yeah and and yeah i agreed but if someone knows let me know because i am curious like is racism a big issue and um i mean it's a big issue all over the world but i just was really shocked to just hear just outright being called the n-word um, actually I had a, this is really irrelevant, but, um, I had a police interview recently and, um, I had to explain a scenario where my, uh, a client I worked with had been experienced being called the N word. And when I was saying what I had to hear, I had to quote my client and, um, the police officer was like, so was he saying the N word? And I was like, no, he was. He was saying the N-word but not saying the N-word. And he was like, say the word. I need to quote you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and, and then, then he said it and then, then I had to you. say it. <laughs> it just felt so weird. I was so stressed. <laughs> and I was like, now I am quoted saying it and that's going to court. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the race stuff is complicated because yeah. in that situation if someone had told me, yeah, I, I, someone said the N-word, to me, I'd be very empathetic, but then if they said 
something like, and that's why we need to dismantle the system because it's <laughs> steeped in white supremacy. Because then, no, because then you're yeah. in like a really tough position. You're like, well, I want to validate your yeah. personal hardship, but I don't fundamentally agree with your political conclusion. So that is a, um, I think, I think, yeah, the empathy needs to come first. Um, but then it's, you know, you see a lot of those conversations on TV and radio and it can be frustrating because you think, oh, well, hang on, like you're arguably it's, it can be kind of manipulative because you're like coercing people to take a certain political position mm. because if they don't, they don't care about what you've gone through. And yeah. um, hmm, that is, yeah. that is a, another big issue of our time. But um, how about, how about we end on, and, and if you want to say anything else on that, on, what I said there, but if there are any other like fun ones we can end on. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> that, was, that was it for me. I just ended on that heavy little note there. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to look. I'm looking at this page if there's anything. Oh, actually, these are getting dark, progressively darker. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about this? Just because we don't like the Barbie movie doesn't mean we're sexist. <laughs> uh, yeah, that the Barbie movie's brought up a lot of conversation. I haven't seen it yet. I need to, but it's like it's very impactful. That movie. Have you seen it? No, but um, yeah, I've seen a lot of the conversations about it, and I don't. I'm not much of a movie. Goa. I don't think when was the last time I even saw a movie at the cinema? I, I literally can't remember. So, yeah, you haven't seen it. No, I'm waiting for the day I can just put Remy to sleep and he'll stay asleep. Well, that happened last night for the first time ever. Oh, but nice. seeing a movie has not been. I don't like to see movies during the day. I only like to see them during night. So yeah. hopefully now that he's sleeping. Fingers crossed it only happened once. So we'll see. I'm sure the trend, I'm sure eventually it'll slowly um, be him sleeping consistently. Might be a few more nights of sleeplessness, (laughs) but movies are just not what they were. You know, when even when I was a kid, it was such a big thing to go to the movies and you'd see the previews and you'd go, oh, I want to see that one. Yeah. And now you're like, "Uh, whatever. I love (laughs) the movies. The movies are my favorite thing to do every year for my birthday, aside from. Last year, I've gone to the movies really? every single year. Yeah, <laughs> it's my favorite. Okay, yeah, yeah. It just keeps getting exp- more and more it's expensive, so expensive every every year. Yeah, I'm shocked that they're still in business because every time I go, there's like 12 people in the cinema. Up here, every time I've gone at Arena, it's packed like to the point where I'm like, oh, it's so annoying how packed it is. It's crazy busy. Really? Yeah, maybe there's oh. just not much to do up what, here. <laughs> what was the last movie you saw where it was packed? We saw, um, when I was pregnant, we saw The Black Phone. It's a horror. And it was not even a big movie, but it was packed. There was lines everywhere, lines into the cinema, the candy candy bar line was massive, crazy. I saw a movie with my family as well actually recently. But Do you get a choc top? Oh, wait, of course you don't get a choc. Do they have plant-based choc tops? No, but oh, maybe they've got plant-based magnums that they sell and oh, popcorns vegan from Hoyts. Nice. nice, yeah. All right. Well, that's probably a nice 
tone to end on. <laughs> think about okay? that. Yeah, think about chalk tops. <laughs> um, let us know any others in the in the comments, or if we didn't touch on anything and um, should have, let us know. But yeah, we wanted to keep it mostly conversational in line, and then yeah, touch on some of the stuff that we probably had to at the at the end. Mm. So if you enjoyed that one, and as always, subscribe on YouTube, on Instagram, on TikTok. And leave us a review if you like the podcast. If you don't like the podcast, then don't leave us a review. And share this podcast with someone that you think might like it. Follow us on Spotify. Um, come see a comedy show, comedyuntamed.com. If you live in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Newcastle or Geelong, come see me live doing my solo show. Go to my website and we'll see you next time. See you next week.